Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Law Radio. Dental Law Radio is brought to you by Oberman Law Firm, a leading dental-centric law firm serving dental clients on a local, regional, and national basis. Now, here's your host, Stuart Oberman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I want to talk about one of the hottest topics in the industry today, DSOs. I can't tell you how many calls we get as a firm. How do we grow? How do we scale? How do we get to five practices? How do we get to 10? How do we get to 20? Now I got 20 practices. How am I going to sell? What's my multiples? What's my EBITDA? What's the calculations? But what we're not hearing a lot about, which is a lot of undertow right now, is DSOs are coming under serious governmental scrutiny. And what's happened is, is that as DSOs grow, now we got to understand what the DSOs are. So I'm going to say the middle market where you have a doctor that owns maybe five to 10 practices, that's a middle market, and they want to grow to be the, the grandfathers, if you will, of the DSOs. So the DSOs are have a reputation of being somewhat – um, non-governmental compliant, if you will. So what's happened is, is that we are seeing an enormous uptick in regulatory investigations, uh, especially those that accept Medicaid and all other state and, and federal health care programs. So what's happened, what's happened is, is that as the governmental payers, state and federal, start auditing the payments to these to the practices, the OIG, the Office of Inspector General, who you never, ever want to get a letter from, is also investigating these particular matters. And what's happening happening is, is that we're seeing a lot of issues regarding anti-kickback statute, improper payments, improper billing, coding. And as the OIG and HHS combined forces for regulatory matters it's made, it's made it clear that DSOs are, in fact, a target. If you have not discussed with your counsel or advisors how and what the regulatory issues are and what OIG is looking for, then I would suggest that you have a strong conversation over lunch yesterday. So what's happening is, is that as governmental Regulatory matters are being investigated further and further by OIG, HHS. We're seeing more and more companies, DSOs, if you will, enter into what we call CIAs. Now, that doesn't mean it's a criminal agency. It stands for Corporate Integrity Agreements. Again, if you are a DSO, if you are a doctor that owns multiple practices, if you are a doctor that has Medicaid or receives other state or federal health care reimbursement, I would strongly suggest you understand what the OIG does, how it tracks with its fellow agency, HHS, and what a CIA is, a Corporate Integrity Agreement. So what's happened is, is that as private equity becomes more and more prevalent. They used to say the most expensive thing to get is money, but now it's the cheapest thing to get. So there's a huge upswing right now in Medicaid spending for dentistry. And what we're seeing is that 
that is start, starting to draw a lot of fire. So what do we do? How do we do it? This, this conversation is probably a 90-minute conversation, if not a day-long compliance conversation. But I want to run through maybe about eight things that we need to take a look at if you are, in fact, a DSO or if you are a doctor looking to scale a DSO. So if you have one practice, you better get your house in order as far as payments go, coding goes, because as practices grow, they get sloppier with compliance. So what's happened is, is that, again, the first thing we got to realize is that the government is looking hard at DSOs. It's coming under scrutiny. A DSO has to build a culture of compliance. It's got to start from the top down. So what does that look like? So you have to have a third third topic. You got to have an effective compliance program to begin with in order to implement the policies and procedures that focus on both the quality of care and adherence to governmental regulations. That is a tall task. The fourth thing we want to take a look at is Without a doubt, I don't care if you got one practice or 800, you have to have a chief compliance officer. And that doesn't mean that is your front desk person. That doesn't mean that is your hygienist who moonlights as your office manager, as your front desk, as your consultant. You have to have a chief compliance officer. There's absolutely no way that as a doctor, you will know what the proper coding is, what the correct procedures are for payment, what the OIG is looking at as far as guidance goes, as far as what the hot buttons are, as far as audits go. So how do you do this? So a lot of DSOs, again, I'm going to use, you know, our DSOs between two to 20 practices and and maybe even 30. They have to have a training program for policies and procedures in place. And they have, they can't do it once. They have to have a continuous review training and compliance program. Now, I will say that the large-scale DSOs really have a good overall compliance program. But what happens is that's a lot of trial and error. That is a lot of missteps along the way. And our middle market guys have got to learn the trials and errors. So again, this is an ongoing process. You cannot have a one meeting for sterilization and not know what in the world is required for compliance on the payment side, which is critical. So the next part is, is that how do you respond? Number six, you've got to respond to a compliance issue timely. So when the government says we need this, we need that, you can't get around to it whenever you need it or whenever you feel like it, we run into so many problems where our doctors do not promptly get under control the particular letter and issues that they're concerned about. 
So how do you have a system for compliance? This is where your chief compliance officer has to come into play. If you get a notice that OIG is now sending you a I love you letter and they have a probably seven or eight page non-compliance issue and now they're clawing back millions of dollars, how do you respond to that? Do you give it to your front desk? Do you give it to your hygienist? Do you give it to your spouse who may be your office manager? So you've got to have a system in place. You can never, ever delay a governmental notice. So one thing that, that has to be a balance is that, and I'll say this is number, number seven, all compliance programs have to be designed to ensure quality and medical necessity. So under when your audit occurs, and, and they want to claw back millions of dollars because they're going back five years, they're going, they're going to want to know Where's your proof? Where's your documentation? Where's your quality of service? Where's your code? And is there a medical necessity? That is absolutely critical to your defense. They're also going to take a look at potentially your vendor relationships. If you've never heard of AKS anti-kickback statute, I would strongly recommend you have a meeting yesterday with your corporate attorney. These are just some basic things that we're looking at. Congress is even getting involved in this, which is never a good thing, where they've made it clear that they are looking at DSOs as a corporate structure, and they are looking at the compliance issue, the reimbursement issue, the quality of care issue, the medical necessity issue, very, very, very closely. And when Congress comes out and and says this, you know there's a problem. So the last thing you want to do, and I'll say this is number eight, and probably the the final topic on this, again, I, I could talk probably for hours and days on this particular compliance topic, but You have to understand AKS and a kickback statute, and you have to understand on the compliance side, on the audit side, OIG side, HHS side, the safe harbor provisions. So now you're thinking, what in the world is AKS, and how does that apply to my DSO? Because all I do is I treat kids all day long, and I'm looking for to maximize my revenue through aggressive coding, aggressive treatment. And how does that even come into play with my vendors, my treatment, my care, my coding, my revenue? So you got to understand all these things. And again, what we're seeing is that as our as our offices and doctors scale, this is the last thing they're worried about is compliance, which this should absolutely be the first. Because if you get an audit and you're trying to scale, and scale hard. And all of a sudden you get a a nice letter from OIG that says you owe a couple million dollars and you think you're going to be growing, your practice just stopped dead in its tracks because you will spend months and years trying to get this squared away and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on 
attorney's fees, costs, trying to deal with this. So again, we're getting a lot of, a lot, a lot of calls all the time. How do I scale? How do I grow? What do I need to do? And everything, it's, it's revenue-based, but one of the key issues is revenue is great. You know, what's my multiple? That's, even, that's great. But my question is, how in the world are you going to scale? Because when you do a transition, and I had a chance to talk about this uh, probably about a month or two ago for the American Health uh, Law Association, uh, did, a, did a speech on due diligence on acquisitions. And this was a huge topic because if you are in the midst of a governmental investigation and you're trying to even remotely sell your practice, you're dead in the water because they're going to want to know everything about what your risk is, whether or not you're under a CIA, corporate integrity agreement, what the terms are, and you're essentially going to be untouchable. So this one particular area could set you back for years and millions of dollars that's the last thing you want to you want to do. So uh, again, I could talk for for forever on this topic, but this is becoming a hot topic. It's been it's been hot for a while. It's getting even hotter as the uh, markets scale. There's more money than ever flowing into private equity. Compliance is getting sloppy, and Congress is is uh, on the, got its antennas up because anytime there's money involved, Congress has got its its ears up. So, hey man. Uh, hopefully this has been a little bit of a, um, uh, refresher if you're familiar with this and hopefully this has been, a, uh, an eye-opening podcast. If you're looking to scale or you have scaled and you're looking to sell and then what's the next steps. So, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and we're going to continue talking about our hottest topics in the dental industry. I want everyone to have a fantastic day. Thank you.